I want to share a message with you because I think it's important that when we gather as a church, every time we gather as a church, we come into this place to hear from heaven. Okay, we don't come just to hear rhetoric. We don't come just to hear words. We don't come here just to, you know, uh, fulfill my Sunday morning duty of going to church and feel like a good Christian. You know, all that is fine, you know. But when we come and we gather as a spiritual family, I think that the important thing is that we would hear from heaven and hear what God has to say and what he is speaking over our lives. And, uh, and this week, you know, we had elections, all right? And uh, it's been a long, grueling election uh, season. It feels like it's been going on forever. I don't know if you guys feel the same way as I do, but man, it's been. And then you're there on Tuesday night. I'm like, okay, finally, you know, you're going to see what's going to, and then nothing happens. And I was like, what? I stayed up, guys. Man, let me tell you, when I go after something, I go at it with everything. I stayed up to like 3.20 in the morning. You too, Renee? And I'm like, and, and I'm like man, I got to go to sleep. I got to wake up the kids, you know, in just a few hours, you know. And, uh, and when there's no winner on Tuesday night, I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, man, if 2020 was crazy, it just continues getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And the next morning I got up and I got the kids up, you know, and after I dropped them off at school, I, I went home and I had you know, my, my prayer time with the Lord. And I told him, Lord, can you help me make sense? You know, I, I don't want to hear the news. I don't want to hear what people are. I want to hear what heaven is saying. How many of you guys agree with that? Man, I want to hear God what you're saying in the midst of everything that's going on. And in the midst of that, I feel the Holy Spirit started to put these thoughts in my heart. You know, and, and I want to share this with you. Friday, I went a little bit into it in the afternoon devotional we have uh, on social media. But maybe today we could break it down a little bit more in, in the time that we have. The, the title of today's message, all right, is called The Day After the Election. The Day After the Election. Because I want to make sure that you know this, okay? It's coming again. <laughs> in four more years, all right, we're going to be in election season again. And once those four years pass, if you are still around and I'm still around, there'll be another four years coming around. So if we don't get this straight with God, let me tell you something. You can get swept in the midst of all the noise and all the craziness and everything that's going on. So the day after the election is not only for today. I want to share a message with you that I think that we could hold on to for the rest of our lives. I'm going to be honest with you, even when there's no elections, <laughs> you know, I think that what I'm going to talk to you guys about today is so important. Can you go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 18? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 18. By the way, uh, my man, we had an amazing men's conference this weekend, the Unshakable Men's Conference. Wasn't that powerful? The guys that are here that were connected, it was so powerful. At the end, we're going to see a, a, a video, you know, of, of what took place. And uh, I, I surely missed having the guys in here and being able to speak to them. But man, we take hold of that technology and use it for God's glory, you know, and, uh, and God did his thing. So Ephesians chapter 5, Verse 15 through 18, look at what the Apostle Paul is telling us this morning. He says, look carefully then, I'm reading from English Standard Version. It looks, look carefully then how you walk. What is he telling us to look into? The way that we are walking. Okay, when the Bible talks about our walk, it's talking about our actions. It's talking about the things that we do. Look carefully how you walk. 
not as unwise, but as wise. So you and I could take one of two directions. We could either act unwise, or we could act what? With wisdom. And Paul is saying here, look how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. You know that I think that there's never been more teaching in the church than there is now? I believe that there's never been more knowledge in the world than there is now. Yet I think that this is the time where there's been the less wisdom in the church and in the world. With all the teaching that's going on, with all the knowledge that there is out there, I'm hearing about the rate that knowledge is growing. You know, my, my, my son the other day was like, Daddy, can you get me an iPhone 12? And I'm like, no. Like, well, you want an iPhone 12? I don't even have an iPhone 12. Why do you want an iPhone 12? He goes, man, I want an iPhone 12. I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is my house, all right? You guys, I respect everybody. I'm like, man, nobody that is not a teenager in my house is not going to have a phone, all right? So you got to wait till at least you turn 13, all right? And, lo and look at this. He goes, but I want an iPhone 12. I'm like, bro, by the time you could get a phone, they might be by the iPhone 14 or 15 already, you know? It's like, just relax. Last year, I got the iPhone 11, and now there's an iPhone 12. And it could do a lot of bunch more stuff than this one. Why? Because technology, all right, and knowledge is just growing and growing and growing. The question that I have is, is our wisdom growing? Are we becoming more wise with all the information that we have? Or I don't want to say this, I'm in church, you know, and I'm in the public, you know what I'm thinking. Or are we becoming more stupid? <laughs> Are we becoming more stupid with all? I think that we're getting like so bogged down with all the information. And we're like, Duh. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey. So Paul says, all right, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. Oh, man, we, I, we could just preach this one. And making the best use of your time. I have a question for everybody in this room, and I include myself and you guys at home. You guys are not excluded. Are we making the best use of our time? Because let me tell you something. You're not going to recover it. How many enjoyed the worship time that we just had up here? You guys enjoyed it? It was amazing. I have some news for you. It's not coming back. <laughs> That's it. Now there's an expectation in my heart to the next service, because I'm going to be here. You guys are not, but I'm going to be here. So there's an expectation in my, because that time is gone. And the question that I have for you and me is, if all this stuff that we've been going through in this season is the best use of our time, all the fighting and all the bickering and all the pointing fingers and this and that, as Christians, representatives of God's kingdom, Let me tell you something. We're going to make the best use of our time. We need to be focused. Because in the midst of all this craziness, there's people dying every day that they don't know about God. And they're going to spend an eternity away from God. So I could be fighting if I'm Republican or Democrat and who should be here. And people are still dying, dying, dying because of the COVID, because of this, because of that. And are we making the best use of our time? I don't want you to lose focus. Because you know what? Jesus is not here yet, physically, but he is here through his church. We are Christ's representatives. So would Jesus be doing all the stuff that we've been doing lately? 
Or would Jesus still be worried about, you know what, that person's heart over there, this person's heart over here, that person's relationship with God over there? Because elections, there. let me tell you something. We're, we're, this is our life, so this is where we've lived. This is what we know. But even in the times, all right, the ones that invented this whole democracy thing were the Greeks. So elections have been going around for a long time. I don't see Jesus getting too fussed up about everything. I see him getting fussed up about the things that are important to the heart of God, which are those people that are far away from God. And I'm going to use this example. I've used this example before, but I'm going to mention it again, okay, about when I lost my son. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say this because I think it's important. When I lost my kid, I wasn't thinking about the other three that were with me. I was thinking about the one that I had lost. Because the other three, I knew where they were. I knew they were there. But when I, saw, I lost my son, David, and I knew I had a lake behind my house, and he was little and he was going after that, man, you don't know the desperation in my heart. Because I know that he used to like to walk back there, and we were just like, you know, when we were, they were little, we would just look for fishes. And my daughter lost turtles, so we would look like for turtles and stuff like that. So I'm like, man, this kid could have gone back there, and it was nighttime, and you're desperate as a parent when you, lost, when you lose a kid. Has anybody lost a kid before? Okay. You know, after that, I was like, man, maybe I should have kept them lost. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, I'm kidding about that, you know. It gets a little crazier as they grow up, you know. But what I'm trying to tell you is the father, in the midst of all this craziness, his heart is still after those that don't know him and that are lost. And that's where Jesus was at. In the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the craziness. So listen to what it says, making the best use of our time. Because the days are evil. Is it there? Can we put that verse, please? And don't take it out. Just keep it there. Because the days are evil. What are the days that we're living? Days that are evil. Okay? We don't need to look any further, all right? Then the stuff that we're going through right now as a nation, the days are evil. They're bad days, guys. So we need to walk with wisdom, making the most out of our time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I think that's where we all want to get to. I think we all want to get to the point that we understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. When it's talking about being drunk, okay, it's talking about losing consciousness, not being conscious of everything that's going on, you know. For that is debauchery, okay. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. If there's a season, church, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it is now. If there's a season to tell the Holy Spirit, let me tell you something. The filling of the Holy Spirit is something that should happen every day in the life of a believer. Every day, you should tell the Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Fill me with fresh fire, Lord. Give me a fresh touch that comes from you. I don't want the revelation from last week or last month. I need a fresh touch from you because things are getting crazy. And God wants me to represent him in my family. God wants me to represent him at my job, at my school. God wants me to represent him everywhere that I go. We need to represent the Lord. 
So it says that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Welcome, Pastor Fernando. Good to have you here, man. Can we put our hands together for Pastor Fernando Estrada? Good to have you here. You surprised me. I thought you were coming to the second one, but it's always good to arrive early, you know. So it's Pastor Fernando for many years was pastor here at our church. Now him and his wife, his children, they live in Orlando. And uh, I know God took him over there with a great purpose, and, uh, and we're grateful to have him this week. And he was one of our speakers this weekend at our, at our Unshakable Conference. So, Pastor Fed, welcome this morning. So, the question that I have, amen, you can put your hands together for him, come on. So, how do we walk, okay, how do we walk as wise and not as unwise in these times? How do we walk as wise and not as unwise in these times? Okay, there's two things that I want you to remember. And I shared this with our students from chapel, even on Wednesday morning. I want you to write this down. Number one, I want you to remember who you are. If we're going to walk as wise guys in the midst of the craziness and everything that's going on around us, you cannot forget who you are. Because the moment that you forget who you are, you lose your identity and your sense of purpose and the way that you need to walk. So who are you? Can you ask that to the person next to you? Who are you? <laughs> who are you? All right. This reminds me of, I always go back to that Lion King scene, man. That's such a great moment. You know, any Lion King fans out there, man, I love the Lion King. You know, and when Simba's having this identity struggle and he feels, you know, like trash and all these things. Trash is a big word right now, you know. Kids are like, hey, that's trash, you know. So I'm trying to learn some of the lingo, you know. So, you know, Simba was feeling like trash, you know. And he has this vision of his father as he looks into, he sees this reflection in the water. And he hears, remember who you are. Man, and I remember one day that God was doing some stuff in my heart, and I just heard those words, remember who you are. The day after the election, church, remember who you are. Don't step down, step up. Don't get mixed up with all the craziness. Step up, remember who you are. Who are you? Well, I'm going to tell you a few things of who you are. Number one. The Bible says you're made in the image and likeness of God. That's the first thing. Everybody has value. Everybody has dignity. Everybody has purpose. Everybody has significance. Oh, is that I hate those other people. Man, they're made in the image and likeness of God. There's something of God that they represent. <laughs> said, I don't like that aspect. Well, you deal it with the Creator. He made them. So we are made in the image and likeness of God. Remember who you are. Number two, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is still in the main point of remember who you are. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a son or you are a daughter of God. You are a son or you are a daughter of God. That is your identity. The other day we were talking to a person that is going through you know, some addiction battles. And he was going to a group, and they told him that if he wanted to be part of the group, every time that he would go to that group, he would have to say his name and say his addiction. I am so-and-so, okay, and I am a drunk. 
I am so-and-so, and I am a drunk. Every time if he wanted to be part of the group, he needed to say that. And I told him, let me tell you something. That's wrong. Because what you're saying that you are, that's not who you are. You're a son of God that is dealing with this habit and is dealing with this addiction, but that's not who you are. And every time that you go there and you say that I am so-and-so and I am a drunk, you're calling that upon yourself. Guys, understand what I'm telling you? That's not who you are. No, you're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. Oh, and we all have areas that we need to deal with. We all have areas that we fail God, but that doesn't make me who I am. That's not my identity. I'm not a failure. You're not a failure. You guys are not a failure. You're a son or daughter of God. Oh, that has a flesh and is dealing with imperfection. But every day I come to the Lord and I what? I surrender. I tell him, Lord, help me with this. But I know who I am. We're made in the image of likeness. We're sons and daughters of God. Oh, and I love this one, okay? We're ambassadors of God's kingdom. We're ambassadors of God's kingdom. You represent the kingdom of heaven. You represent God's kingdom. And you and I, okay, we are meant to tell and retell God's story. I want you to know that. We're meant to tell and retell God's story, okay? Calling others into the plot line because they are all part of it. Everybody has a place. Everybody's part of this plot. And listen, whether a political leader persecutes that story or aligns with it matters not. Because it is written by God. And it will be lived out by His kingdom citizens with that person or without that person. Oh, His story is going to be written out and lived out. So what is that story? Jesus' kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. And you and I are citizens of heaven. And we represent that kingdom here on earth. We are part of a new creation. Okay? So remember who you are. Number two. Okay? Remember who God is. Write that down. You guys at home, write that down. The first one is remember who you are. The second one is remember who God is. Okay? The day after the election, I want you to remember who God is. Who is God? Well, God is good. <laughs> God is good. And I want to say this loud and clear. And God is so good that he only does good. He only does good. And he is sovereign. Who is God? God is good. He is sovereign. God is still on his throne, church. God still reigns. And I've been saying this over and over and over and over again. He does not move an inch or a centimeter to the right or to the left. He is still on his throne. And he is sovereignly working all things together for good because he is good. All right? One of our favorite scriptures, my wife and I, Romans 8.28. You can look for that real quick. You can write that reference down. Romans 8.28. And it says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Okay? God causes everything. You know what everything sounds like? Everything. 
all the difficult things that we go through in life, the things that we don't like, the things that we wish that weren't a part of our lives, God causes everything. God, okay, it says here, causes everything to work together for the good. Okay, not for the pain, not for the hurt, not for the anger, but for the good of those who love God. How many love God in this place? This is a good moment to raise your hand. You guys at home, you guys love God? Okay, for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Okay, so God is good. He's sovereign and he's working everything out for his good. He is love. Okay, God is love. That's 1 John 4. You can write that reference down. And, and this last one, I love it within this part of remembering who God is. Write this phrase. God looks like Jesus. God looks like Jesus. Bible says no one has ever seen God. But Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. So you want to know how God looks like? He looks like Jesus. How was Jesus? How did he walk? Well, Acts 10.38, you can write that reference. It says that Jesus went about doing good and destroying the works of the enemy because God was with him. Oh, <laughs> it's beautiful. God was with him. So Jesus went about doing good, destroying the works of the enemy. Because God was with him. See, I love every story in the Bible of people that had encounters with Jesus. Their lives were never the same. Nobody that encountered Jesus on their walk was ever the same. Oof. Their lives would change forever. Their lives were transformed. And I, and I mentioned this online the other day. There's a lot of gospel stories that I love. Man, I love the resurrection of Lazarus. What, what a powerful story. Uh, the resurrection of, 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 of the kid, you know, from a widow. That lady was a widow, and her son probably was the one that was going to help her sustain her family. And he died, and Jesus touches the coffin, and the kid comes back to life. There's a lot of them. But there's a story about, about a guy with leprosy that I love. Because back then, leprosy was like the coronavirus, you know? You couldn't get close to somebody with leprosy because you would get, you know, contaminated with that disease. And the lepers, they actually had to wear a mask. Now, back then, they didn't have masks. So what they did is that they covered themselves with their cloak, with their clothes. And they had to walk around screaming at the top of their lungs. If they were going to go into a village or a town, they had to scream, leprosy, leprosy. Le they had to scream out their condition wherever they went. You imagine... That wherever you went, you had to scream out your disease. You imagine you had to go and scream out the condition of your heart. Robber, robber, watch out. Hey, watch out with your, with your watches. I'm a robber. Watch out with your wallets. I'm a robber. Or drug addict, drug addict, drug addict. Or you just fill in the blank. And this guy is screaming out his disease. He, you lose your family if you were with leprosy because now you were confined to being in a leper's colony. Your life changed. You, got, you lost your work, your family business, whatever it was, completely gone in an instant. 
an outcast. And this person sees Jesus at a distance. And he cries out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus could have just sent a word. We've seen Jesus heal people with words. The son of the centurion, hey, you don't need to come into my house. Just send the word and it'll be enough. Jesus could have just sent the word. You know how Jesus healed this leopard? You know how he healed them? The Bible says that he touched them. Now I remember, I imagine, I imagine. I don't remember because I wasn't out there, but I imagine. All right. I imagine the touch from heaven upon that man's life. That not only healed the disease, but it healed his heart. From all the rejection, from all the pain, from all the loss. You see, when I look at Jesus, I see somebody that knows exactly what I need when I need it. And he knows how to say the exact words. How many of us have been maybe in a moment of difficulty or of anguish, but you've seen God show up in such a way that you're like, this is only God. Nobody else could do this. Only God could do this. That's what Jesus would do. So if I have a question of who God is, look at Jesus. Look at him. God looks like Jesus. I want to let you know something this morning. No matter what does or does not happen around us, whatever does happen or does not happen in Washington and in the White House, I have these news for you. God remains. God remains. Amen? God remains. And whether you're persecuted or you're in a position of authority or power, God's kingdom advances. God's light continues to overcome the darkness. Remember who God is. And this morning, as we talk about these things, I want you never to forget these two things, who you are and who God is. And I want you to write these next four points down. And I'm going to go quickly. I'm not going to preach for one more hour. I just want you to write these four points, okay? Things to do after the election, okay? Things to do. First, you remember who you are. You remember who God is. Now, the things to do. Number one, be salt and light. Be salt and light. Okay? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. <laughs> Listen to this. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said that about himself. I am the light of the world. But Jesus is gone, so what does he say? Now you are the light of the world. Listen to what I'm going to say. This is important. You are the light of the world. You're not a reflection of the light. You're not the moon. Let that sink in. The moon is a reflection of the sun. Jesus did not say, you're a reflection of me. No, he said, you are the light of the world. Because <laughs> like daddy, like son. Like daddy, like son. He is the light. I'm the light. Shine your light before man, Jesus said. That they may see your good deeds and honor your father who is in heaven. Hey guys, I have some news for you. Light is supposed to shine in the darkness. Light influences the darkness. Light does not run away from the darkness. I've never seen light running away from the darkness. What I've seen is darkness running away from the light. 
Because when light comes on, boy, all darkness disappears. And I want to give you a quick example. Shine your light in your area of influence. Okay, quick example. That light that is over there in that corner, okay, right on the top of that roof right there. Okay, if we turn all the lights off in this room, that light in the corner is not going to light up that corner over there if I lost my phone or my wallet or a dollar. Okay, that light is influencing the area where it is. Okay, and together, all these lights that are here influence this whole room. Okay, listen, you're not called right now to shine your light. Okay, upon Georgia or Washington or California or Colombia or Cuba or Nicaragua. Because you're not there. You're here. Your light needs to shine where you are. That's your area of influence. That's where God has placed you. In your family. With your friends. That's the way your light can reach other places. Is with the people of influence that you have around you. People that you could talk to. You could call somebody in Colombia. You could call somebody in Venezuela. You could call somebody in Washington. Okay, your light is shining there. But you know what, guys? Focus on the place where God has placed you. And let your light shine there. Miami-Dade County needs some light, guys. Are you in Orange County or Ciola County? Or, uh, they have like a bunch of counties up there, man. I don't know what county. Maybe you're like in the county line. You know what I'm saying? Shine your light where you are. That's where God placed you. And then Jesus said, and you're the salt of the earth. Salt. How many of you guys like a good barbecue? Raise your hand. Oh, some picanha. Oh, somebody's saying amen right here, right now. Amen, some picanha. Huh? Some costillita, you know? Some churrasco. All good stuff, man. Some of you guys are like, Pastor, hurry up, man. I'm going to Texas Roadhouse after this. Hey, when I'm making a barbecue at home, all right, and I have some good picanha on the grill, you know that the only thing that I use is salt? I mean, I know some of you guys might use other stuff. Me personally, I just use salt because that meat is so good and so juicy that all you need to throw is some salt on it and it's ready to go. All right? I know that there's a saying that salt is used for preservation. Yeah, it, it is used for preservation. And a lot of us read that and think you're the salt of the earth. You're called to preserve. I believe that. But I want to tell you what I really believe is the main purpose of salt is to influence. Because salt, once it's on the meat, it influences the whole meat and the whole taste of it. The taste changes. Guys, we are called to change the taste of the world. We're called to change the taste of the earth. That when people taste what you have, they're like, hmm, that's different. Hmm, that's good. You know, that tastes good. You know when you taste something that is so good that you have to tell your friends about? And like, hey, you got to go check this place out. It's like when you find a good barber shop. You know what I'm saying? When you're a guy and you find a good barber shop, hey, where you got your cut, man, you got to go and check out this guy over there. Well, the same thing when you find something that tastes good that you're like, hey, you got to go check out that chef. You got to go to that restaurant. Or if somebody makes a good barbecue, you got to go to so-and-so's house, man. That guy makes some good barbecue. Well, the same way. That when they're around you and me, they're like, what you have? What you got? Because something's different. 
It's a different influence that you leave in the room when you're there. There's a different influence that you leave in the meeting when you're there. You're the salt of the earth. Be salt. Be light. Number two, write this. And the worship team could come up already. I will continue to pray for those in authority. I'm going to say that. I will continue to pray for those in authority the day after the election. I know who I am. I know who God is. Let me be salt. Let me be light. Let me continue to pray for those that are in authority. I gave my life to the Lord Jesus 25 years ago. For 25 years, I've been praying for the different presidents that we've had. I've agreed with some. I've disagreed with others. I've liked some of the policies. I've disliked some of the policies. But let me tell you guys at home something, and you guys that are here. The Bible, our constitution, the constitution of the kingdom of heaven asks us to pray for those that are in authority. It doesn't ask us if we like them, pray for them. No, pray for them. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 3. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Well, he says pray for everybody. You know, everybody needs prayer, you know. And ask God to help them. I need help, guys. Man, I hope you guys pray for your pastor because I need help, you know. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all those who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. How many of you guys are ready to live some peaceful and quietness? Then we got to pray for our authority. Very simple. Scripture's easy. The hard part is putting it to practice. <laughs> We can live simple and quiet lives, peaceful, marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. So guys, if they are in authority anywhere, you know what? I'm going to pray earnestly for them. I'm going to pray fervently for them every day till they're in that office. Because it's an office. And when I'm talking about an office, I'm not talking about a room, all right? I'm talking about a dominion, a government, an authority that God has placed upon their shoulders. So the Bible says, pray for those people. Pray for those people. I may not agree with one thing, and I might agree for, with everything. But they're still making decisions every day that will alter history and must have our prayers to choose wisely. Guys hearing what I'm telling you today? Yeah? You guys are answering for those that are at home, all right? So you know what I'm telling you today? I'm going to be completely frank and I'm completely honest, all right? Right now, okay, our president is still Donald Trump. That means that we pray for him from now to January 20th. And if January 20th, we have President Biden, every day you pray for that man. That's right, amen. Every day you pray for him. You pray for who God places in the office. And you honor the office. You honor the office. 
That's the way the kingdom operates, guys. I love the kingdom of heaven. We're not of the kingdoms of the world. We're from the kingdom of heaven. We're from the kingdom of heaven. Third thing, write this down. I will listen with an open mind and heart to all those that disagree with me. This is a big one, all right? But I'm not going to dive into it for 15 minutes. Just listen. I will listen with an open mind and heart to all those that disagree with me. I cannot be hard-headed and cancel people out just because you don't think the same way that I do. I love this woman that is sitting right here in the front row. Hey, come on now. But even her and I, we live together. We've been married. How many years now, babe? Going on 17. Going on 17, Jesus Christ. Going on 17. Even her and I don't agree on everything. Can you believe that? The person that is closest to me on this earth, we do not agree on everything. So what am I going to do? I'm going to sit down with her and instead of getting on a fight, guys, don't get in a fight with your wife. You're always going to lose that fight. But anyways, <laughs> you know what? Sit down and hear behind the words that that person is saying. What are they really saying? And if you're constantly angry and upset and wanting to disagree with people, you're never going to hear what in reality is being said. I'll give you a quick example. I remember when I had just got, given my life to Jesus, the Jehovah's Witness would sometimes come around. And I, I'd be waiting for them, Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm like, man, I got some Bible scriptures this time, you know. I'm ready to go with the JWs, you know what I'm saying? Ready to go and have some time. And I remember they always fire back with some stuff. And I would fire back, and they would fire back with some stuff. And all of a sudden, I would see myself getting agitated and getting upset. I'm like, man, do you guys see the Bible? Do you see what it says? And one day, the Lord told me, hey, what are you doing? Relax. Aren't you standing in the truth? And I'm like, well, I believe so. They think too, but I am. He goes, so if you have the truth, what are you getting agitated about? Don't worry about defending it. I am the truth. I will defend myself. Since when do we have to become defenders of the truth? He is the truth. He defends himself. <laughs> so don't become disagreeable. That's what I'm trying to say. And the fourth point. Okay. I will continue to stand together with those who are defending my nation. I will continue to stand together with those that are defending my nation. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, I want you guys to understand, okay, personally and as Christians, okay, I'm not for anarchy. <laughs> All right? I'm not for rebellion. I believe in authority. And I think we all should believe in authority as well. All right? So those that tear down and destroy, those that make average citizens afraid, I want to tell you that does not come from God. Because the Bible said the enemy came to steal, to kill, and destroy. So wherever I see stealing, killing, and destruction, I know that that's not my father. So I'm not standing with that. So I will stand with who? I will stand, okay, on the side of order and peace. Because the Bible says that our God is not a God of confusion, but a God of 
order and a God of peace. And you want that scripture? It's 1 Corinthians 14, 33. And you can write that down. So man, we fight and we stand for order. We stand for peace. So if we remember these things, guys, and put them to practice, you guys at home, you guys here, it will be well for us. And we will represent Christ correctly. How many of you guys want to represent Christ correctly? I want to represent Jesus correctly, guys. I, want to, I don't want to misrepresent my Lord. One day, God will make sense of everything that you and I don't understand. All right? Don't take justice into your hands. There's one that everything is laid bare before him. Everything is laid bare before God. He will judge. So let us submit our souls, church. Let us submit our souls. What is that? Our emotions, our thoughts, and feelings to him. Let's submit ourselves to him. I want you guys to put down your notebooks, iPads, phones, note-taking device. Let's call it that, note-taking device. And I want you guys to close your eyes for a second.